pretty psyched to be here. How about you? All right. (laughs) Yes, Pastor John. 
Well, I'm just, uh, I know. I thank you, thank you. <laughs> Tough room. Um, well, I am psyched to be here, and uh, I am psyched that we have a God who is worthy of all praise and glory, a God who is real, a God who is present in our lives. I'm going to read Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. I don't always come here with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. I'm going to be honest with you. But, uh, man, it's pretty awesome when you do. <laughs> it's pretty amazing when uh, you come before a holy God knowing that in spite of your brokenness, you can receive that gift. You can, he, he sent his son in spite of the fact that we're all a mess. And uh, if, if that God is not worthy of all praise and glory, I don't know who is. So join us as we sing our God.
Praise you, God. We lift up your name this morning because you are worthy. Because you are who you say you are. Our Savior King, our God. We thank you for what Jesus did as a man and on the cross, Lord. Thank you so much that we serve a risen Savior. And we look forward to that glorious day. Let it be sooner than later. But in the meantime, challenge us to look and live and act more like you, to pursue you as you pursued us. Help us, Lord. 
Jesus, just your voices.
are you, Lord? Wow. (laughs) You are amazing, God. We thank you. Thank you for this time that we could sing your praise, Lord. I know it. uh, It's just a filthy rags, but uh, it's, uh, it's our offering of praise, and we pray that it would be acceptable to you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for being our great God, our great Savior, our great King. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can have a seat. Kids, stay put for now because we got some stuff to run through, and then you're going to go. Do you want them first? Kids, now that you've stayed put, I'm going to invite you to come on down front. Kids, Kingdom Kids, ages 3 to 5th grade. As well as teachers, etc. Yeah, come up here for a minute. Everybody up front. Why are we up front? Because I told you to. That's right. We need all the helpers. All the helpers. Junior church helpers, all, all, that are, all that are going down today. Here, here's the reason we're doing this, or I did this. I pulled this on them. So they're all mad at me, but they'll have to forgive me to be good Christians, you know. So anyway, I want, what's that? She said, yes, Pastor Yes, thank you very much. What, what's the problem? Thank you. I was going to say I'm always on, but I'm not. So here's our junior church, and uh, for those who aren't, are, aren't aware, um, we've gone to a monthly rotation. Now, people who are serving know that, but that's been an upgrade, and by the way, the feedback uh, I've gotten has been very positive. Katie's over there shaking her head, and it has been a much more healthy way to do it, and so every month there's a new shift, and that gives the kids continuity, it gives parents continuity, it's a great opportunity. And, you know, these are the future Christians of America, you know, well, at least of Orange County and, uh, or maybe beyond. And we want God to just bless them as they serve, right? And we want to commit our teachers and all that help to the grace of God so that we're tuned into the spirit, that uh, we're touching people where their needs are and all of that. Okay, does that make sense? I just thought it would be right to just honor them and thank God for them and pray over them as we start a new month, because it is a new month. Can you believe it's March already? And 19 is almost over. No, I'm kidding. Just getting started. So can we pray together? You're exercising your priesthood. I'm just coaching. You're joining with me. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, the gift of life that you've given us, the gift of children. I consider the size of our church, we're not that large. And look at this crowd of future leaders and servants of Jesus. And Lord, that's what we desire, is that they become future leaders and servants of Jesus. And we know that some of the seeds that will get planted will happen not only in their homes, but also in our in our ministries downstairs and up here and wherever they are. And Lord, I commend these children and the teachers and all the aides to the grace of God that you would help them and quicken them, uh, activate their gifts, 
let the Holy Spirit's life flow through them and to our children and into our children, that many will look back 20 years from now and say, I know when Jesus came into my life and I know when he turned me around, even as a little tyke, (laughs) I know that something changed. We're asking God for you to just install future grace in them through our ministries and through our teachers and helpers. In the great name of Jesus, we ask for your help. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you and off you go. And if any of you are new members this morning, make sure you come back for a couple of minutes. Okay, I'm going to ask Tim to make some announcements. All right. While they're taking the offering, I'm just going to give a couple announcements real quick. Uh, Don't forget to check your bulletins. Uh, You'll find more information in there than uh, we we hand out on Sunday morning, just to kind of keep it quick. Uh, Budget forms are still in the back. Budget requests are due back by March 17th. That's two weeks from now. Uh, Don't forget, March 10th is also uh, daylight savings, so please remember to set your clocks ahead if you're not using a smart device that does it for you. Uh, we want to make sure everybody's here on time, and uh, we're going to make sure we fix that clock in the back before Pastor starts preaching. Yeah. You want an extra hour next Sunday? Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, put it in calendars, ladies, March 8th. There will be a baby shower for Lindsay Cooley. It's a Friday, and it'll be downstairs in the cafeteria, and all ladies are invited. Um, check I think there might be some more information in the bulletin. Um, as far as I know, they're trying to keep it a secret. Uh, if it, yeah, oh, at that part. But the uh, whether it's a boy or a girl, so uh, yeah, no, it's not a secret shower. If it is, hey, surprise, yeah. Uh, no, so it's you don't you're not you don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet. So. You can ask them if they need things, or diapers always work, gift cards work, diapers are amazing. Um, Ignite is uh, up and running still. Uh, We had a great time Friday night, if you were able to make it out. Um, We are doing uh, round one night on uh, March 16th. It is a cost, $35 per student. You can sign up now. Uh, We need at least 10 to go to get the deal. Uh, You can see me after for more information. Also, in April, the first Sunday in April, we're going to be starting our high school small group. So more information will come out on that. It'll be Sunday afternoon after the morning service before prayer. So if you have students that are high school age, they're going to want to check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, There is a pastor's luncheon on March 17th, uh, directly following the morning service. There will be a sign-up sheet out in the back next week. If you have questions, see Don. It's an opportunity for those who are new, who are maybe not so new, but want to spend some time chit-chatting with the pastoral staff. Uh, Just a a little lunch, just uh, time to meet and greet, ask questions, a little FaceTime. Uh, Anybody that wants to uh, participate in that, if you need more information, please see Don. He's the one heading it up. Uh, It's a really neat opportunity. It's a lunch. Get to hang out and and see a little bit more about what we're doing here at Harmony. It's not just for the pastors. Yeah, no, it's a meet and greet with the pastors or a meet and eat if you're a good Baptist. Uh, Other than that, I have no other announcements and I'm done. So I forgot to mention one other thing about um, Children's Church going downstairs. We have this uh, technological sign-in, and I know some of us are having trouble with the speed of it and all of that, but let me just encourage everyone to stay patient and 
get it into the system. I think eventually our smartphones can even swipe it and off we go, right? So I know it's complicated, but we have one of two choices. We can either have children at risk or convenience. So I'll stick with the inconvenience. And uh, we, had to, we had to do that once up in our large church with a lot more people and a lot more complications, but there's only, uh, you know, there's only your children's lives at stake, and so we want to make sure that we never have a mishap or a disaster of any kind here, right? So that's why we do the sign-in, and we make sure that only parents and qualified signed-in people can pick up the children and all of that, yada, yada. Everybody with me? And all of God's people said, yes, Pastor John, we'll have a good attitude. Okay, so there we go. I have a... My sermon today is going to take a long time. Look how many books I have to get through. I'm going to read every one of them cover to cover. No, I'm making that up. Some of them are so old, what they write about and say doesn't even apply anymore. For example, I read in one of these books, you know, Americans love to join things. I'm thinking, boy, are you outdated. (laughs) Joining churches, for example, is mostly falling away, just so you know. So the fact that we as a small assembly, God has been shoveling some grace upon us. Anybody want to agree with that? Right? Uh, That we continue to see some people come to faith and get baptized and join the church and all of such things is really kind of neat. And so we want to celebrate that today. And let me just say right up front before I call some new members up so that you can see them. And I ask the elders and deacons to come up and give them the right hug of fellowship used to be the right hand of fellowship in the old days. That's another outdated thing. But anyway, it's uh, the formal greeting. You know where that comes from? Everybody knows where that comes from? The Bible. Who would have guessed that, right? That uh, the apostles, when they were recognized, received the right hand of fellowship was an expression for affirmation that you're in the kingdom with us and you're in his business with us. And that's what it means. So we have some new members. And let me just say what that is. Um, anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ is a member of the body of Christ eternal, right? The, uh, the invisible church, the church that exists, doesn't matter about the local church, they're part of the kingdom. And if you've done that, you should probably also mark yourself as Jesus commanded in being baptized to mark yourself as his followers. And all of that is true, but that stuff can happen without choosing to join a particular local assembly. But... God calls us, I'm very uptight about this kind of thing, because I think healthy Christians should be part of some local assembly. I don't care what shape it is, whether it has formal papers, informal, nothing, if it's house church or wherever it happens to be, but I need to be part of a fellowship where there's interaction. Let me just be candid. TV church won't cut it. TV church isn't going to touch your body and pray for your healing and isn't going to have any of that interaction to get in your face and tell you why you're watching too much TV. They're not going to do that. (laughs) You need an assembly. That's normal and healthy. I'm not saying there's a lot of it around. I'm not saying we're totally there. But I'm so grateful that there is some forward motion and people have been choosing to sign up to be part of a local assembly. You don't have to formally do that, by the way. Get a little certificate that says you're a member. But here's what it means. If I say I want to join a church, I'm saying this is the place where I want to give, I want to 
contribute. I want to serve the Lord. I want to find my space. I want to have fellowship. I want people to minister to me. I want that two-directional thing to happen. So I'm putting a stake in the ground and choosing to do that. To do it here at Harmony, you've got to be born again. You have to get baptized. Uh, and we are Baptists. We do it by immersion, which is also the biblical way. But anyway, and, uh, and well, obviously, that's why we are what we are. But that's what we hold. And we respect others who hold other views, but that's what we do. And so we have those two things in place. And then the choice to commit to say, this is where I want to be in fellowship with the saints. So this morning, I'm going to ask some people to come forward so you can see them. They've been around. You'll recognize them. Very fine people that have chosen to join Harmony Baptist Church this morning. So, Ionic, I know I saw your smiling face out there. Brenda, I don't think, is here. I think there's something going on in her family. Um, Ionica Ackerley and the Cooley family. Did they make it back up? Yay. So I know you had kids going downstairs, or one kid going downstairs, something like that. Let me get organized here. Whoop, look at that. Ionica, glad you're here to help me out. Do you also wipe drool when I start drooling? You'll help me. <laughs> look at her. Wow. All right. My apologies. So, Lindsay and Jason Cooley are up front, and the Sullivan family. I think all of you guys, come on up. Oh, by the way, there's a technique. Yeah, you can do that. You can do that. We're glad everybody's here. Allison, Haley, Jason. Allison and Jason are mom and dad, okay? Just in case you didn't know, Lane and Maya, they're all here. Come right up across the front and make, us look, make me look good, if possible. How fun is that? It's just been, huh? It's really bright up here. It's bright up here. Yes. It's my shining face. No, actually, can I confess something? It's the light shining off my almost bald head is what it is. When, uh, when we did some prayer up here, one time somebody that was behind me, it might have been Tim. You know what? I'm changing my mind about this morning. But he was standing behind me, and he was like, man, the, the light is killing me. He was looking down on my head. He was can you imagine I work with him? Anyway. Anyway, it's been a joy to get to know these saints and to have them participate. You've seen jo uh, Jason up on, on the platform. These guys have been in with both feet, right? They really have around here in helping, and it's just been a, a joy. And then Ionica, we're so glad. And by the way, she has the most wonderful Christian Romanian accent. She really does. I love it. So we're glad they're here. I'm going to ask that the leaders come forward. We're going to uh, pray, commend them to the grace of God. Now, by the way, they're committing to you. Can I ask you as a body of believers, will you commit to them to help them along in their most holy faith? Can you say we will? Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand together as we pray? We commend these saints to the grace of God. All living things, God, grow. They reproduce and grow. Lord, we're grateful that there's still life at Harmony, that there's growth, that, Lord, your Holy Spirit has spoken into the lives of the people that are standing up here in front of us, that uh, not just to join our assembly, but your Spirit has been active and 
they are growing and they're hungry disciples and they're actively serving. Some are putting their hands to the plow. We're so grateful, God, that um, you have shown some sign of your favor, of the working of your spirit. We desperately need it. And we're so thankful. So we thank you, first of all. And then second, we commend each one of these precious saints to the grace of God. You've given them gifts. You've given them things to do for your glory. Uh, You have a purpose for every one of their lives. I I would love it that uh, 20 years from now, some of the young people standing up here would say, I realize what God was ordaining in my life. He had a plan for my life, and he started moving and showing me what I was made for. Yeah, we're not accidents. Not a person in this room is an accident. Lord, you have a plan, a heavenly plan for every life. So many miss it. But thank you, God, that these precious lives in front of us haven't missed it. And they've entered into life eternal, and they've chosen to be part of this assembly. We receive them with gratitude, and we ask for your blessing, grace, and favor on them day by day. Help us as fellow saints to serve them and edify them and build them up in their most holy faith. Well, thank you, Father, for helping us in all of these ways and helping them in particular. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said... Amen and amen. Well, yeah, amen. I'm going to ask the elders and deacons to give a hug of fellowship. Lindsay, I'm going to turn this off or everybody's going to hear me banging into everybody here. This always ends up being a 40-minute episode, you know, on a Sunday morning. So while they're finishing, thank you, gentlemen, ladies, everybody that was here. One more time, let's give God praise and thanks. Amen. I'm not used to getting gifts, Ionica. Well, nice. Thank you. Prayer plant. Neat. And then I have another one called the Venus flytrap. No, that's cool. I have one more uh, item that's going to require prayer. I don't know what kind of a morning this is at church that we're doing so much praying. You all right? Mrs. Balaam, you okay? Okay. You're waiting. Oh, wait. I saw her go like this. I'm like, seriously? Okay. I'm going to ask the elders to come back up, and uh, Tim Strait, Pastor Tim Strait, if you would come up. A while back, um, the elders were processing um, the fact that God has drawn people into our circles, and uh, one of them, in fact, I was here less than a year, and Tim and Ashley found their way to our church and decided they wanted to be part of it, and I was like, really? You want to hang with me? Sort of. He came forward and said to me, "Um, is there anything you need me to do? And I said, yes. And he's been serving ever since. He's been involved in our youth ministry. Those of you who have been uh, interacting with him know and appreciate what he brings to the table. And so we're so glad he's here. And he comes by um, a call to ministry 
honestly. His father was a pastor who has already passed away, for those of you who don't know. And uh, I've grown to appreciate the Straits a lot, and I'm glad they're here. However, a call to ministry uh, is not inherited from your father. Okay, as, as sweet as that is, that's not how it works. It has to be a call from God, and I think you sense that on your life. And we've sensed that, and we've observed his uh, service. And so I asked the elders, uh, can we make a decision as leaders to license Timothy so that he is Pastor Timothy Strait, and he's legal to do weddings and funerals and all of that kind of stuff. So uh, just in case you, anybody's got any plans out there, you know, you you know that he's available. So uh, usually what happens with churches is they license somebody who has an obvious call to ministry on their life in preparation for eventual ordination. And uh, we'll walk that way as we're able, not too far out, and one day have an interdenominational uh, type of ordination council, if I have my way, uh, when we will lay hands on him in a nice way and pray for the grace of God to confirm his calling. So, Tim, uh, this morning with the elders up here in front of you, we'd like to present to you this certificate of license and recognize you as called to gospel ministry. Gentlemen, if we could lay hands on him. I'm going to ask the chairman of the elder board, uh, Gene Bozick, Reverend Gene Bozick, if you would reverendize him as well (laughs) by praying over our brother Tim. This is really good stuff, though, for the church. It really is. We need more of it. Yeah. Amen. Father God, we thank you and praise you for your great grace, your mercies, your love. Thank you, Lord, for your care. We especially uh, this morning, thank you for Tim and just ask for your anointed blessing upon his life, his ministry that you would give him a special measure of your spirit to guide and direct the flock as he has opportunity. And we thank you and praise you for him and his family. We ask your your special grace for him and and, uh, his ministry. And Lord, we uh, thank you that you've raised him up in this place. And uh, we ask for your hand to uh, demonstrate uh, your great love for us and uh, even through Tim. Yeah. Pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, bro. Thank you. Thank you, gents. I'll pray about it. Since this is mostly a prayer meeting today, I will pray about whether I will call you up again. That's what he was asking me, by the way. You're not going to make me come up again, are you? Good morning, brothers and sisters. My sermon is three minutes long. You know that isn't true. Um, Michael, did we cover everything? I think we did. Did you guys pay attention to the worship this morning? It was really God word, especially. And um, I, I forgot when I came up here to say, why don't you just kind of hold that thought and don't lose track of it. The idea of looking upward toward God and his great goodness. And um, today's message is um, what's left of Titus. You ever have leftovers? Well, that's what you're getting today. 
And uh, what it is, is I've had some thoughts that I just couldn't shake and get around. And that was uh, that there's these statements of authority. And so I've called it the ministry of authority. You'll notice the asterisk. Whenever there's an asterisk, it's because I stole the title from somewhere. Where I stole it from is a subchapter title in Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together. The ministry of authority. What is it talking about? And so my apologies to Dietrich. And, uh, but there'll be, a, it'll almost feel maybe, I hope it doesn't seem too rambling, but just some things that I want to say. Um, and Tim, you were a perfect illustration this morning because I want to say to you, you're looking at probably, if you're going to follow this call, a life of ministry. Am I right? Are you sure about this? Are you sure you want to do it? Well, I, I called um, brother um, Mr. Falk, who is our gym teacher here, because I was trying to find a balance beam. They used to have a balance beam in the school gym. Somebody threw it away. Why do they always throw away the best stuff? But anyway, so I thought of a different picture that would work. You know, my wife and I met working with physically limited children. It was a wonderful experience. And um, some of these guys were so good at using these things, they were able to balance up on the back wheel. Can you imagine? Anybody want to come try it? It can't be done. It's a balancing act, isn't it? And the reason I, I use that as a visual, you'll find out later whether I can do it or not. It's a visual because it's kind of like walking a tightrope sometimes in ministry. I think it's always been that way, but I think it's even worse today in terms of the walking on the edge of a razor blade, if you will, trying to do it right. And I'm, you know, I don't know if you're aware of the statistics, men in ministry are quitting left and right. They're giving up on it. It's like, what's the use? It's particularly so in American Christianity circles, if you will. But the issue of authority and, and spiritual authority in the church, there'll be more about this in the book of Hebrews, which we're going to do next. So I'm just going to highlight some things. So if you're a note taker, you have in your bulletin some points that I want to walk through. I hope some of you are note takers. And especially today, you'll notice number two, counsel to saints. That's you. Hello? That's you. Counsel to the saints, right? That's you. And then there's counsel to spiritual leaders, or can I put it this way? Spiritual leaders slash aspirers. Those who may be aspiring, and I suspect that as I've been interacting with people uh, over the last month especially, there may be some folks, young people, whatever, aspiring to, min to ministry. You know, as a job, vocational. So, if that's true, I want to be able to speak life to them, if I can. So, the ministry of authority and spiritual authority, the, we, we hate authority, don't we? Our culture since the 70s has cast off all, every, every authority is wrong. I heard when I came here from the previous pastor, you're wearing a tie, you're out. You know, because this represents... No, with that. By the way, I'm going to stop wearing a tie. Okay? Is that all right with you guys? You don't care. They can't make up their minds. That's a problem. Okay. <laughs> the ministry of authority. Is there authority? Well, look at these verses. If this, is, this came out of Titus, the very first one. 
Titus 2.15. What? These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Speaking to a young pastor, interesting words. Well, the word speak is simply speak, so that's not anything deep. But here's two words here, exhort and reprove. Exhort and reprove. The word exhort is the Greek word parakaleo, which is the same root that's, uh, same word that is used to describe the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit for the Christian? He's the comforter. It came from a legal term. When you had to face something in court, you'd get an advocate, lawyer, who would go with you, right? He'd present your defense. He would go to bat for you. He's the comforter. He's the supporter. So the word parakaleo means to exhort, to encourage, to challenge, sometimes prod. How's that? I'll say it nice, that kind of a thing. It's a reproving sometimes. And then the second word, but it is an encouragement. We have a song. There was an old song in your hymn book, The Comforter Has Come. Remember that? Anybody remember that? Comforter Has Come. Everybody with me so far? It got got real quiet in here. You guys all right? Okay, just checking. Okay, so the comforter. There's exhortation and reproof. Comfort, correct, exhort, entreat, instruct. Urge. The second word is rebuke. Sometimes you just have to say, you see what you just did? That's wrong. You see what, did you see what? That's wrong. You ever had to say that to your kids? You know what I mean. That, that's wrong. And, and if you keep, no, anyway, that's wrong. You have to correct. You have to confront. You have to call it out. You ever hear that expression? Some churches talk that way. I'm going to call it out of you. I'm going to call you up. Call you up. It's a good thing, isn't it, when you get called up, when you get challenged, when you get stretched. And then you have more words. So you have this, let no one disregard you. Wow. Back in Titus chapter 3, verse 8, the first part of the verse, this is a trustworthy statement. By the way, that's following a statement of the gospel. Christ save us, blah, 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 blah. This is a trustworthy statement that we live godly because we've been changed. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently. Let's look at another version, the New Jerusalem Bible. I like the translation sometimes. It really says it. This is doctrine you can rely on. I want you to be quite uncompromising in teaching all this. So Paul is speaking to Titus and saying, put your foot down where it counts. That there is authority. In fact, there is, I, this, I hope this isn't news to us, there is authority in the universe. Amen. Like it or not. Some of my, I passed on Tales of the Kingdom, if you've never read it, there is a king. The expression we use when we toast the king, you know, when we do that at communion, that came out of Karen Burton Maines's book, Tales of the Kingdom, that there is a king. Even though the enchanter of the world has deceived everybody and said there's no such thing as a king. There really is. Doesn't that, doesn't that resonate? I mean, that's the world we're living in. But there is a king. There is a king. And there is spiritual authority in the universe. And there's authority in countries. And there's authority in families. There's authority in the animal kingdom. And there's authority in churches as well. Uh-oh. Pastor John's working up to leading a cult. (laughs) 
Who's laughing over there? Anyway, this book is dated, like I was saying. 1975, Presbyterian and Reformed Publishing Company. I had to read this. This is an old book. It's a classic. The Elders of the Church by Lawrence Ayers. Let me just read this. The Submission Due to Elders. In, the, in any society of free men, the rule of law is only possible as long as the vast majority of its members are habitually law-abiding. Duh! Just try to go through traffic lights. You'll see what that means. When respect for authority breaks down, I'm sure glad that hasn't happened, to the extent that larger and larger numbers defy existing rule, and only re- the only remaining alternative to anarchy is a police state. I mean, this is common sense philosophy. Everybody should know this, right? Except making application. The only remaining alternative is anarchy. If, to anarchy is a police state. And when this state of affairs prevails, men are no longer free. The same is true in the church. All those received as communicant members of a Presbyterian church must take this or a similar vow. Do you agree to submit in the Lord to the government of this church and in case you should be found delinquent in doctrine or life to heed its discipline? We did not hand those little sign-ups out for our new members. We didn't do that. But it's implied, is it not? Not that we want to rule over every... We don't want to tell you what kind of car to buy. We don't want to tell you what kind of music to listen to. And all. We want to keep you on the path to holiness. That's our job. But So when, I'm, when we're trying to do that, the right response to that is the right thing to do. And rebellion against it will have an opinion from Jesus and we're all going to go see him one day. Either as a friend or not. So, you have to have it, otherwise you have chaos. So, here's the dilemma. And that's my first point. It's a dilemma. I find it to be a dilemma, don't you? Think of the chaos out there, even in churches. This is not putting one church above another by any means. Don't anybody misunderstand, because what I'm about to speak about has happened in every denomination and Baptist churches especially, but look at the conflict in the paper every week that's going on with the Catholic Church, what Pope Francis has to deal with, with the uh, problem of uh, sexual molestation, correct? I mean, it's a nightmare. It's a balancing act because... On the one hand, you, you have too much power given, people are living under intimidation, and then they end up being taken advantage of or abused in some way. And it doesn't always have to be that scandalous. It can be a lot more mild. People get punished, if you will, for the wrong things in local assemblies. And so people are like, why do I want to be part of this? Spiritual neglect questionable integrity on the part of leaders who seem to be preoccupied with padding their own experience rather than caring for the flock. No wonder people give up and say, what's the use? No wonder out there there's whole categories of people who are called the nuns and then the others that are the duns. Everybody know what I'm talking about? The nuns. What's your religious background? None. The duns. I used to go, but I'm done. (laughs) I understand people being done. It's hard for me to get ticked off at them. It really is. I understand it. It's like we had this experience. We went to another church. We had this experience. We went to another one. Had this experience. Getting used, taken advantage of, told to shut up. And so people rebel. They become disillusioned. 
they give it up. They have disregard for it. Can you imagine in our culture today trying to tell somebody no? Well, who do you think you are? <clears throat> so I've got a little, um, I, I went look. I have a book buried upstairs in my messed up library. It's not even a library. It's just a pile of books. Uh, called spiritual, the, the Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse by David Johnson and Jeff Van Vonder. And I'm not recommending it per se, because they got themselves into trouble too. Don't you love it? But anyway, but the principle was this. I want to put this definition. A broad definition of spiritual abuse, which happens in churches, is the mistreatment of a person who's in need of help, support, or greater spiritual empowerment. That's who we are as saints, right? We're sheep. Anybody here a sheep? I am. Yeah, exactly. I am. We're all in need of help somewhere along the line, right? We're all in need of development and growth. Nobody's arrived. Oh, who's arrived here? Chicken. I don't want to say. (laughs) I wanted to talk to you after if you had arrived because you haven't, right? We haven't. So we're in need of help, support, greater spiritual empowerment. But the result of their coming to spiritual leaders is weakening, undermining, or decreasing that person's spiritual empowerment. We pull the rug out from under them. We defeat them more. A woman who's been abused in a terrible relationship with her husband, and the preacher says, well, you just need to pray more and be more submissive to win him around. You you got it upside down. Do you know how many thousands of times that has happened? So that's what they're talking about. Not the pastor didn't smile at me today. (laughs) I could have just been hurt. Anyway, I do get some of that. Anyway, a leader uses his or her spiritual position, these are examples, to control or dominate another person. Or spirituality is used to make others live up to a spiritual standard. The people who live up to it like, I'm just going to meddle, okay? Can I meddle? Who's going to... Anyway, so I'm in the Christian school circle. You're not. We're spiritual. You're not. I've got my kids as witnesses for Christ out in the world. We're spiritual. You're not. You understand? Both are wrong. But we put that kind of heat. And that's just one example. Go through a litany of what, my, what uh, John Artberg calls boundary markers, little boundary markers. These are our boundary markers. These are good Christians. These are the bad Christians. What are you laughing at, Don? You right? Am I right? You know I'm right. Okay, so that's what they're talking about. And get this. This is one of my favorite. Everybody listening up back there? Everybody listening? Okay. One of the rules of a spiritually abusive system is the can't talk rule. Oh, boy, I heard that. A person who speaks out loud about a problem becomes the problem. Oh, well, you're the problem. No, I'm not the problem. I'm saying there is a problem. But most of those people get abused, and so consequently, they're done. They just give up rather than fighting the system. An abusive system is a closed and paranoid system toward the outside, and it's secretive about what goes on on the inside. I've tried to say from the time I got here, the best thing you can ever do as a Christian if you screw up is admit it. Churches should admit it. Oh, we have to protect the Lord's um, name. We've got to protect his reputation. You've already screwed up his reputation. Admit it. As one great... Well, he was good at one time. He's 
had issues, but he made a great statement. I won't say who it was. I'm not saying who it was. When we confess our sins, then the Lord does not get blamed for the consequences. If we come clean and say, we're wrong, then people can't say, oh, that's the God that they said. No, that's not the God. That's the stupid Christian that blew it. That's what that is. You did that. Then he doesn't get blamed for the consequence. Okay. I am preaching, aren't I? I thought I was just going to go through a few points here. Okay. So, the nuns, the duns, whatever. I've been encouraged, as I said about um, four weeks back or three weeks back, about um, cataloging. Some are stuck. Some are the little flock. We want to move forward. We want to invest in that. We want to look into the future. And I do want to invest for your future. But I've wondered sometimes what has been communicated in the last, I don't know, couple decades. What have we gotten? When I hear things like, and, and by the way, I've heard this from the school on occasion, where we have kids from different churches, where the response to this is right or this is wrong or this is what it's supposed to be is, my pastor said so? Really? Okay. Or how are we going to find God without pastor so-and-so? How will we know him? Do you understand how unhealthy that is? So let me read from a very godly brother, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, along that line. And what happens with that is people become what I call groupies. You've heard me mention it before. Uh, we, we attach to some great TV preacher, and everything he says and all of his tapes are my new Bible. Whatever it says is true. And that pastor that, you know, you're visiting my church, and, well, you're not saying what so-and-so is saying. It's, yeah, that's right, I'm not. Well, then you're wrong. No, you need to move to California and be part of his church. See how that works out for you, by the way. So, so let me read this. The Ministry of Authority. This is the chapter from which I got uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's title. Every cult of personality that emphasizes the distinguished qualities, virtues, and talents of another person, even though these be of an altogether spiritual nature, is worldly and has no place in the Christian community. Indeed, it poisons the Christian community. Ultimately, this hankering for false authority has as its root a desire to reestablish some sort of intimacy, a dependence upon human beings in the church. See, I got it tangible. Now, I know right now some of us are wondering, where are we going with this? You don't want us to listen to you? Of course I do. Here's the point, though. We become groupies or we have a cult of personality. It can be preachers. It can be songwriters, worship leaders. Fill in the blanks. It's their way. What does God have in mind? You were called to be attached to the head, not to the person. What are we going to do without pastor so-and-so? You're going to have to seek God until he shows up. That's what you're going to have to do. Does anybody remember a guy named Moses? He's a big name, big name guy. What happened to the Jewish community? Eventually, it became a cult of Moses, right? That was some of the trouble. They were loyal to all his little, and they thought they had it, right? They, they didn't. Same thing. Back when Moses was taking the children through the, the, the wilderness and children of Israel, they were heading for the promised land. Do you remember there was an event one time 
where the Holy Spirit, in the Old Testament, yes, the Holy Spirit came down on a bunch of elders in the camp. Does anybody remember that story? Not too many. I can tell by the look on your faces. But the Spirit came down, and a group of elders, a hundred and some odd, were prophesied. Seventy? Thank you. Domo arigato gozaimasu. Excellent. Thank you, brother. Seventy-two elders are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, who is Moses' right-hand guy, is like, my Lord Moses, tell them to stop. Tell, they're, they're, they're prophesying. Tell them to stop. You know what Moses said? Are you jealous for me, Joshua? Are you worried? Would that all of God's people were prophets. Would that all of God's people were prophets. Not trumped up fully yourself. Prophets, the Spirit of God on them. Would that it was... And guess what? God planned that for the church. We are connected to the head. That's what the goal is. My goal is to make you more in tune with Christ, walking in holiness, enjoying the life of the Spirit. If you go way beyond me, thank you, Jesus. Please do. So that's what you want. Leadership abhors a vacuum. As I've said before, if you don't get the right leaders, the wrong ones will fill it in. Can guarantee it. And it's all over the church in America. It really is. And I'm not condemning other good... I mean, i got brothers in this area. I love them and their churches, and I want them to prosper so much. And I'm glad that they are, some of them. But there's also a lot of upside-down wrong thinking. Remember when Mike Banton was here, our missionary, a few weeks back? Anybody remember a few weeks back? Mike, please, Mike Banton was here. He quoted from one of my favorite books, Philippians, and here's what he said. Do you remember this verse? I have, Paul is saying, I am sending Timothy because I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. They all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. Wow, is that a statement? Authenticity in serving Christ is what brings moral authority. You have a problem, and this is why we're walking on a razor's edge. It's a, a balancing act. Too much power or exercising too much authority or too little. Both are a problem. A lack of it, a lack of direction, a lack of rebuke and correction, as Paul said to Titus, insist on certain things. So here's my counsel to saints. One, find a heart after God and follow. If somebody has a heart after God, if I don't, in your opinion, go somewhere else, please. I, that's not an insult. I'm not trying to be insulted. I'm not trying to be rude. I didn't mean to sound. Did I sound rude? Go somewhere else. <laughs> no, what I mean, you don't like my restaurant. It's a better one down the street. You see what I'm saying? If, if, if I don't, if you don't, and I've, tr- I've tried to communicate, if you don't have confidence in the spiritual authenticity of the leader of a church, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice and him a disservice by signing up. Okay, And that's what you want to look for in the future. Those who have a genuine concern for the interests of the saints, the building up of the saints. 
That's my counsel. Find a heart after God. And by the way, when it comes to like, I can't know God without a person, that's wrong. May, the, may they all become prophets. Look at the Bereans. I, I love this verse. You remember the uh, book of Acts, Paul's preaching. In some places he gets stoned and beat up and everything else. He goes to Berea. These were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with great igno- ignorance, with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. That's what we should do. Wow, Hawke said a weird thing today. You know, by the way, if it's my opinion, I'll tell you. This is my opinion. I'm not ready to die for this. This is what the Word of God says. I will die for that. Search it out for yourself. God has never asked us to check our brains at the door. I don't know where people get that blind faith craziness. It's not biblical. Spiritual authority. Pastors once were the most educated people in a community. Therefore, they were looked to for all kinds of things. These days, they're mostly despised, I think. It's difficult to build a church. The New Testament, there was one place. You either worked out your issues or you didn't have a church. You didn't have 75 choices like you do today. It's hard. Tim, it's hard work. Are you sure about this? I do think about it. I, can, I, can I make a confession? Yeah, you like it when I confess, right? I'm going to hold that again. <laughs> oh, my. I have so many good things, but I'm running out of time. So I'll tell you what. I'll try to save some of it. There are times I'm looking at my horizon, my age and my horizon, and I'm like, I'm really glad I'm out of this soon. It's stinking hard. You sure you're up for it? We need grace. It's like a balancing act. It really is. To rightly lead the flock, get your own crud. I was going to use my more common spiritual word. Get your own crud out of the way. Your heart, your wrong heart thinking, and really want Christ's glory and his good for the people. It's hard. And then the world and sometimes even the church doesn't cooperate like assessing I'll skip over that the scripture tells us that there are church splits in every church remember when I said that one time well church I was going to title my sermon church split everybody come and hear that one oh I want to hear that we all have a church split there's the carnal and the spiritual always the stuck molding corroding the frozen chosen Remember those? And the, and, the, and the hungry little flock of disciples. Every church's got it. Spiritual leadership has the assignment of coaching that flock and helping them move forward. There is right and wrong. There are things that are right. There are things that are wrong. There's a difference between forgiveness and restoration. I thought about that with some of these TV pastors who have fallen into scandalous sin and then they insist on their rights to be back in the saddle and it's like you have no business. If you cheated in your marriage, forgiveness is one thing. Restoration and sleeping together is a whole nother issue. Those are two different things. Restoration to leadership is a razor edge. Things that we... Who's going to coach you with that? You need to have spiritual... That's why we have godly leadership to help... 
wing, sort that out. People get played, you know what I mean? The emotions today, we get played. Oh, but, 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 we're supposed to be loving and forgiving. I am loving and forgiving. I do forgive you. You're not leading. Stop. So when they're good, support your local sheriff. Remember those days? Remember that? <laughs> that old time? I have this book, Richard Baxter, the Reformed Pastor. He's, he's, he's preaching to preachers, and every preacher that's worth his salt will let himself be preached at and will wrestle through what's broken in his own life. But in the opening chapter, he knew, one of the opening chapters, he knew that lay people were likely to get their hands on one of these books and, ooh, that, our pastor doesn't do this and he doesn't do it. So he makes this little comment in here. He says, you know that they are men and not angels that God has put in offices as church guides. You know that we are imperfect men. Hmm? See, therefore, that you love and imitate the holiness of your pastors, but do not look for opportunities to slight them or disgrace them for their weaknesses. I warn you, as you love your souls, keep close to Scripture and to the faithful ministry of the word. Brethren, let me speak freely to you. The ungrateful contempt of a faithful ministry is the shame of this land. That's 400 years old. Wow. The ungrateful contempt of a faithful ministry is the shame of this land. My last advice to you is this. See that you obey your faithful teachers. Take heed. Be, be thankful for them. Go to them when they desire to help you. Do not be so proud as to think you are your own spiritual directors. We all need coaching at times. I need it. I go after brothers that speak into my life. Hey, am I crazy here? And sometimes I hear... Yeah, actually, you kind of are. <laughs> Why don't you just drop that? All right. Okay. There we go. So here's where I wanted to go. I'm going to, I'm going to sum this up. Counsel to spiritual leaders, potential spiritual leaders, aspiring people. Your motivation better not be like I saw guys at the, at the placement desk at, after seminary. We got our degrees, and I was, I'd, I'd overhear people talking, well, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. I, I want to be in the Rockies, you know. I, I want to be over where I can ski. I'm not going to any church unless I make at least this much money. I'm overhearing now. I'm going, what does God have to do with this? There are people today who think the ministry is kind of a nice, nice job. Whee! That's not the reason. It's not power. It's not pulpit lust. There is such a thing. When I got saved and I heard authoritative preaching, I'll tell you what hit me was the incredible weight and glory of standing in the gap between God and man. It was like a meltdown. And the account I wanted to bring you to, which I'm going to bypass, is in, in uh, chapter 33 of Exodus. You all know this guy, Moses. The way you giggled, I know you know his story. He's called. He turns aside to see the burning bush. He immediately is transformed. Take your shoes off your feet. He's worshiping the Lord. And he says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And he deals with all his fears. Pharaoh? That guy was out to kill me. 
Second, I don't talk real good. Third, to the people of Israel, last time I tried to rescue them, they wanted to turn me into the authorities. They're incorrigible. Anybody ever notice that about them? That's the story. Are you sure? God says, I'm going to take care of it. You follow me. In Exodus 33, he's having a meeting with God, and he said, if I found favor in your sight, let me know thy ways. This is after all he had experienced. He's coming to God and saying, let me know thy ways, that I might find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is thy people. In other words, I need to know more about you to do the job. Just like Solomon said, better that I have wisdom than riches. I need to know how to lead your great people. And by the way, don't forget, these are your people. Help me out here. Moses says, after all that conversation, okay, I pray thee, what? Show me thy glory. What do you need as a saint? You need to see his glory. It's transformation. There's a Hebrews text. You can read it on your own. It's the summation of Moses' life. But let me skip to the last one, Ryan, if I could. Exodus 33, 11. Here's a great statement. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. There was a call on his life. God was just here. The, the cloud came down on the tent. Moses is talking to God. He comes out, his face is glowing. You remember? And Joshua was like, Moses going home to go night-night. I'm staying right here. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss. Is there more to learn? Is there more glory to see? Am I an ignorant jerk? I need to learn a whole bunch of stuff. I got saved, and my counselor, my, my early discipler, was a seventh guy ordained at 72 years of age who knew the work of the Spirit, who literally had these remarkable Bible-type, miraculous-type things. And I would, I would mooch lunch off of him on a regular basis. They never, hey, I'm here again. Make him a sandwich, honey. And I just wanted to suck in as much as I could possibly get my hands on. There may be people in this room today that the Holy Spirit's striving with that I have a more glorious call on your life than you've been thinking about. Oh, and it's a rotten job to do. It's a razor-edged thing. Listen to the words of Charles Spurgeon speaking to his son. <clears throat> Sorry. I should not like you if meant by God to be a missionary to die a millionaire. I should not like it were you fitted to be a missionary that you should drivel down to a king. Did you get that? Drivel down to a king. What are all your kings, all your nobles, all your diadems when you put them together compared with the dignity of winning souls to Christ? with a special honor of building for Christ, not on another man's foundation, but preaching Christ's gospel, even in regions far beyond. What really matters? If the Spirit's talking to you, I'm going to encourage you to come up. You don't have to commit to anything. I just want to pray for you at the end of the service, and maybe the elders will join me and Pastor Tim, if you're still in. 
Can it even be done? That crazy balancing act? Is it possible, my friends? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Yeah, it is. It is. It can be done. It can be done. Oh, stop applauding. It can be done. By the grace of God, it can. Let's stand together. And if you need to pray about that, I'm inviting you. I want to thank you for helping us today, God, in worship. I believe we had a little taste of your glory. And, uh, Lord, there are some people here that need to have a huge swallowing of your glory and your calling. Help us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless. Have a great day.